Hey, welcome to the Diva Show. <laughs> this is Diva from DEU coming to you with Craig McLaurin. How are you? I'm good. How are you? <laughs> good, good, good. Listen, I'm, I'm just going to say technology is not my best thing, even though I have a degree in computer technology, and that was back in the 80s. So we're not even going to go there. But however, this is Diva from the Diva Show. I'm here with Craig McLaurin. And we have an awesome interview ready for all of you tonight. So, well, I'm not going to say tonight, this afternoon, right? So I'm going to ask you first, how was your day? It was good. It was good. <laughs> That's Always a good, good. thing. <laughs> Listen, I want to I, I wanna ask how yours was, but I got a feeling <laughs> you about to tell me. <laughs> Listen, it, it was snafu after snafu. Everything that was planned didn't go as planned, but it is what it is, and we adapt and we move on. You know what I mean? Absolutely. So Absolutely. it is what it is. So this is Diva with DEU from uh, the Diva Show. We're here on every Thursday. Um, I'm sorry, every other Thursday, second and fourth Thursday of the month from 12 noon until 2 p.m. We bring you all of the inspiration, entertainment, the whole nine. And today we have with you Craig McLaurin. Now, uh, I'm going to say to you all that I've known Craig for quite some time. We actually attended the same high school, maybe not at the same time, but we attended the same high school that provided us with a multitude of information, inspiration for um, entertainment, our talents, and I can say that majority of the people that attended FLC are, are doing major things, you know? Absolutely, absolutely. You're one of them. And that's why <laughs> I wanted to have you on, you know, to have you on to interview. And like, I'm going to say to them, and I, I presented it to you before, but I'm going to mm -hmm. present it to the audience. Like, this is what I have as far as questions. Mm. And I turn the page and I have more, but that's only what I know is, is not everything that you have done. And, um, while we spoke before, I was able to jot down some things that I may have missed or what have you. But the bottom line is, is that you doing your thing. And I wanted to do the interview because bottom line is so many times we don't get those opportunities to speak and talk about the things that we've done and experiences, some of our journeys and things of that nature. And a lot of people need to understand that the opportunities are out there. It's just, as Kevin Hart says, everybody wanna be famous, but nobody wants to do the work. And you do the work. Yeah. You do the work. So you're not only just a comedian, I got, my, 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 my cat is disturbing me right now. Um, <laughs> yeah, she wants to be a part of the interview, but you can't. Okay, you can't. So what I want to start in the beginning and we're going to talk about is what inspired you to become a comedian? What inspired me? I don't know. I always was just, I always, I always had a love to make people laugh, you know. Um, I, always, I always liked being funny. My mom was that way. Um, 
my mother, a lot of my family is funny. I'm not the only funny one in my family. Um, but I'm the only one that really pursued it as a career. But my whole family, if you come to a McLaurin function, <laughs> you're going to laugh a lot. And I may not open my mouth. So my whole family is funny. And I know that um, you were saying that before that uh, your mom was saying that you're doing what she anticipated doing. And, yeah, you know, she told me I stole her life. My mom and said, that, and she said, you stole my life. She said, I'm the funny one. I always make people laugh. And now you're doing it on stage and you're getting paid for it. But you got that. She said, you stole that from me. <laughs> so basically, you can honest, you can say I got it honestly. You know? I definitely got it honestly. I definitely got it honestly. If somebody's trying to steal your limelight, but I'm going to let her go. <laughs> she's, she's really trying. <laughs> Are you done? Are you done? What's up, cat? <laughs> you done? That's Pebbles. I'm going to put Pebbles down because she wanted my attention, so I gave her my attention. But um, moving on. In, in in your career, before before you actually got started, because I know you wanted to do comedy, and I think before I asked you, you know, were you the class clown? And I, I think I needed to find that. Not necessarily a class clown, but you were the one that made people laugh. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. So, so with that, what comedian did you get your inspiration from? Eddie Murphy, without a doubt. When I first saw Eddie Murphy, I was I was floored. I couldn't believe someone could be that funny and that accurate about like he wasn't saying like funny things, you know. He was saying things funny. He was actually talking about real stuff that was happening, but he's making it funny. Like Richard Price said funny things, you know what I'm saying? He talked about animals talking to him and stuff like that. But Eddie Murphy said things funny. And and it just blew my mind. The first time I saw Delirious, I, I like everybody in the room was laughing. I wasn't really laughing. I was like, wow. I was like dumbfounded. Like, I could probably do this. So that's where it started for me. So what gave you the decision? What helped you make the decision that that's what you really wanted to do? Um, first time I did stand-up comedy ever was in high school for um, for Mel Williams. Shout out to Mel, he was my English teacher, but he was also like an advisor to me. And he was the head of the performing arts department of our high school. But he um, he was having a show. He was at, Mel, Mel was bringing a show to the school, like an alumni show where he was bringing some of his guys in that had graduated. And at the time, one of them, um, Funk Was The Snow had a song on the radio that was playing locally. And it was a it was a pretty dope song, and um, he was gonna bring them to perform, you know, and do their thing. And I was like, "Dudes, this is garbage. They can't deal with us." And he was like a challenge. And um, I mean, I loved this song, but I just I couldn't tell Mel that. But <laughs> but but Mel challenged me. He said, "I tell you what," because I was like, we were doing hip hop dancing and stuff like that. And he told me, he said, "You give me five minutes of comedy," and when he said that, I, I, I kind of had this like weird look and I had a, a real weird feeling inside because I didn't know anybody else saw that in me. I saw it in myself, but I never shared that, that I wanted to do comedy. So when Mel said, give me five minutes of comedy, it kind of like, it, 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 
sparked something in me to write. And I wrote a five minutes, a five minute bit, and it worked. It killed. It killed at the school. It killed. I think that was my first standing ovation. Listen, whenever you get a standing ovation, it it just touches you in a certain way, and it gives you that push to continue to go. And you know, I was a student of. Mel Williams as well in the arts department and so you know I I know and I'm not going to go into my experience with Mel because it's it's extensive but at the same time he gave me my first heartbreak in entertainment Mm -hmm. and my first push in entertainment and I thank him for it um, because he's real with it and he lets you know that's not going to fly. He'll let you know. Absolutely. He's not one of those that would just push you through just because. So I truly appreciate him. Shout out to you, Mel Williams. You, you have been doing Mel. it for, for years. Decades. Years. Yes, decades. And still doing it to this day. Still doing it. Still doing it. So when did you first make the decision that, you know, uh, you wanted to do your first performance and where was your first performance outside of FLC? Where was your first professional performance? My first performance of my first, when I decided to do comedy, I was, I, I worked for the city of Philadelphia. And at the time, Michael Nutter was the man. He's talking about doing something weird with our pension. So I was like, dude, I got to get out of this job. And I started looking and, and I started like, I started feeling bad because I didn't, I didn't know what else I wanted to do. And something hit me like, dude, look inward. What are you already doing that you could get paid for? And I started thinking about different things that I was doing. And I was thinking more on the lines of teaching. But it always came back to the funny. I mean, so I started, you know, I started thinking, I was like, I make people laugh on a regular. So, and then I thought about, you know, my high school experience. And I just started taking it serious. I joined a comedy class at a... Helium Comedy Club. And the idea of that class was that the instructor will help you write jokes or you will write something and your classmates who are also comedians would critique it. And at the end of that session, you would have a good five minute bit that you could do. So then you invite like 10 people out and each classmate invited 10 people out. And now you got your crowd and that's where you perform. And that's, <laughs> that's where I performed my first, it was, it was Saturday. It was a Saturday afternoon, August 8th. 2009 helium comedy club and 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 i tell you a funny story to go along with that i i didn't write a lot of this stuff down but i I recorded on a digital recorder and the night before the show i lost my recorder Mm -hmm. and i called pops i called my pops i was like look you know i know i invited you guys out but don't come because i'm not going to perform i lost my recorder and that's a sign i'm big on signs so I said, that's a sign from God that I'm not supposed to do this. And Pop listened to me. And when I finished, he said, that's one way to look at it. He said, another way to look at it is God wants you to depend on him and not a digital recorder. So after, you know, after listening to that, I just said, all right, well, I went on and did it. And, and I did well. I did, I did very well. You got to pay attention to the signs. And that, that was got some to. excellent, that was some excellent advice at, the moment where you were in because some would concede but you pushed past and mm-hmm. after you pushed past you started to travel mm-hmm. so how was it your your first 
comedy show on your traveling experience? My first show I did away from Philly was in Brooklyn, New York. It was a little lounge. I forgot the name of it. But Kareem Green was the host. Shout out to Kareem. And I was scared because, like, I did, it was New York. And it was, you know, it was late at night. I went up there. I did my thing. And while I was performing, I'm I, like, I was nervous. I was like, I used to keep my hand. When I used to perform, I used to perform with my hands in my pocket so people wouldn't see him shake. I would put my hands oh, in my wow. pocket. So, but That's real. once they once they start laughing, once they start laughing, I was like, "Whoa, this is working!" And it's working in another city, and it's not my family and my friends and people like these are people who don't know me. So that's when it started really like that's when I start really taking this serious. It wasn't a hobby no more. Listen, when 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 you're in a room that you can entertain that is not your family and your friends. It's just different. Yeah. Not taking anything away from the family and the friends. It's just that you recognize that you're able to reach others and it's not just your family friend. Because let's let's be honest. When it's your family and your friends, it's like, all right, they clapping and everything because it's me, I'm their cousin or Mm -hmm. I'm their nephew or whatever you like that. They're biased. They're totally biased. Exactly. But when you have strangers that are enjoying your talent and are giving you accolades it feels different you know it just feels majorly different because you recognize that you're putting in the work you know and I think I said to you um before that when you travel and you're going to different locations outside of your norm outside of your comfort zone it's a challenge to actually be able to identify with the people in the audience not necessarily because everybody has different the same human experiences. Mm -hmm. However, you also have to learn how to interact with your audience in the environment that they're in. And Brooklyn Mm -hmm. is different than Philadelphia, period. I lived in Brooklyn. Absolutely, absolutely. I lived in Brooklyn for three years and I know that Brooklyn is different (laughs) than Philadelphia. So, you know, being able to do that is, is phenomenal in itself. So once you did that, what gave you the thought to begin your own comedy room at Club Risque? Because you was at Club Risque for a minute. I was I was there every every Sunday. I, I yeah, couldn't 10 years. 10 there. years. We done it for 10 years, but I, I wasn't getting booked. So I had to, it was either start my own room or quit because that was the only way I was going to get on stage. And I said, if, if I can't get no shows, I'll at least have that once a month where I'm on stage and I can I can test out some jokes there because I will go to comedy clubs, I will go to the Laugh House, I will go to Helium. And I didn't have the patience to wait on the, on the, on the um, to get put on the, the waiting list for, for open mic night. And, you know, like I, I went to Helium a couple of times with the Helium for about two months tried to get on the list to just do the comedy. I wrote my name down and I would never get picked to do my three minutes. And the same deal with the Laugh House. So I start trying to go to different shows and do guest spots. And the guest spot is when you perform for free, you know, so they can see what you got. And I was doing all right on the guest spots and I still wouldn't get booked. So I was like, you know, I had a conversation with a, with, with a, with a, a comedian. He was like, dude, you funny. He said, you're funny. He said, you're you're really funny and 
you're going to have a problem getting booked in Philly. And I was like, why? Because I'm, I'm funny. He said, that's why. He said, you're a threat to a lot of these dudes, so they're not going to really show you no love. So once I heard that, I was like, wow. And I did a show. I did a show at Risque with um, my man Hez and Rick Moraki. And the club manager came up to me and was like, dude, you're really funny. You know, when are you guys coming back? And I didn't have an answer for him because it wasn't my show. I just performed. But after trying to get booked and, and get like, and it wasn't even about getting booked for money. I just wanted to get on some shows to do, you know, to do some time. But no, I, I couldn't even get a guest spot. So I went back to the club and I had this whole like, this whole like presentation drawn up and how we can make money. I had the numbers crunched and everything. And soon as I walked in the door, the club manager was like, when do you want to start? He gave me, he said, you can go from Sunday to Thursday, pick any day. He said, Friday and Saturday are off limits. Cause it was a, it was a gentleman's club. So Friday and Saturday were their money nights. But I chose Sunday because it was already a part of the weekend. You know, people are home and it may be the last thing they could do. And I chose the second Sunday because at that time, nobody else was doing comedy. It was a couple of other shows in the city, but they weren't doing anything on that second Sunday. So I picked that just to stay, you know, not to try to compete or to try to stay away from what, you know, everybody else was doing, you know. So, you know, and it you know your humbleness and, 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 and consideration for others is just phenomenal because there are other cats that would be like, I don't care they're doing a show on Saturday. I'm doing this on Saturday. I'm I'm going to take their crowd. You know what I mean? You looked at the fact I don't that, want no trouble. I don't want no smoke. You know what I mean? In Philly, <laughs> in Philly you don't want no trouble. So, no, you know, smoke. you looked at that factor and just recognized that it was something that was needed on a day that wasn't taken by somebody else. So you're not stepping on somebody else's toes. It's like you don't want to step on somebody else's toes. It's just about you want to do your thing. So I will say that I have been to as many shows that I could mm. physically you attend. Regular. You were regular. Like for me, it it was a relief because I had stressful moments. I have stressful weeks and stressful days and stuff like that. And I look forward to just sitting down and just letting my hair down, so to speak, and enjoying some comedy. I've always had a great time and y'all have always Absolutely. entertained the the I audience and I always always felt safe and always had a good time. Thank you. So I I will say honestly, when COVID hit, I missed it. I, I missed, missed it. it. <laughs> you know what I mean? Because being up close and personal with with people was not a thing. It's like you they put so much fear in us that that was not mm -hmm. a thing. So I know during that time that the room was no longer available because the venue was no longer available for some time, yeah. you know, and things started to open back up and things started to move and you moved in a different direction because you needed to. And now you're at City Winery and you're Absolutely. the host of City Winery. So how did the host, you being the host of City, City Winery come, come about? With Laugh Mob. And, and please got, tell us about Laugh Mob. I got that through um, Bob Sumner. Shout out to Bob Sumner. He owns Laugh Mob. He's also the creator of Deaf Comedy Jam. He's the one who is responsible for every one of your favorite Black comedians like since like 1991. He's put a lot of people on. And he's, he's coming back out. He's bringing his brand back out under the... Um, under the uh, 
banner of Laugh Mob. So a little, a little back history. I met Bob uh, a few years ago when I did a guest spot at his room, and he gave me his, you know, his whole um, breakdown of how he books people. And he told me, he said, I like your character. He said, you're funny. He said, but I like how you are as well. You know what I'm saying? So he booked me. I did his room. He told me he would, um, he compared me to Bernie Mac the night he met. <laughs> he said, me, oh, wow. he reminds me of the night I met, the night I met Bernie Mac. But he booked me at the Apollo. And then after the Apollo, shortly after the Apollo, a couple months after the Apollo, the pandemic hit. But we were supposed to start he, he has, um, City Winery approached him about doing comedy and he wanted to do his, he's doing it, not just Philly, he's doing it in every city winery across the country. And he wanted me, he asked me to be his host for the Philly show. And, you know, absolutely. When, when a guy like Bob knocks on your door, you put whatever you're doing down and you, <laughs> you, you, you do that. So that's what we've been doing. We've been going strong now. We, um, we're not every month, we're more like every other month. So, but we have some amazing shows down there. They've all been, um, except we've had, except for maybe one wasn't sold out. The rest of them have been sold out. Packed houses is a great crowd, um, great food. It's a great experience. You know, Bob books the show and I host it. What I love about this is I don't have to book anybody. I don't have to deal with pricing and, and charging people and all that. I just come, keep the crowd warm, keep, get them ready and, and do what I do. And and that's awesome. Shout out to Bob with Laugh Mob and and we have to give a shout out and rest in peace to Bernie Mac. Um yeah. miss yeah. missed his comedy. Definitely missed yeah. his comedy and, and his sharpness when he would say certain things and raise his eyes, like is priceless. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's priceless. So yeah, that night that night surprised me because I my comedy is nothing like Bernie Mac, but when I met Bob. That's what he said. And he said in front of a whole room full of people. He didn't let me leave the stage. He said, meeting this guy reminds me. He said, I have a feeling inside. The same feeling I had the night I met Bernie Mac. And he said, the irony of it is a woman introduced me to Bernie Mac named Adele Gibbons, a female comedian. And I want you to hear my brother oh, do comedy. Adele. Right? Okay. He said, the irony, the irony of it is a female comedian introduced me to Craig. He said, Miss Darkchild called me and said, you got to hear my brother. And <laughs> so wow. that was that was a funny bit of uh, uh, history. That's how I met Bob. Though. Good dude, man. Listen, that that is absolutely phenomenal. I'm just gonna take a break real quick just to say, you're watching the Diva Show. This is Diva from DEU coming to you with Mr. Craig McLaurin, comedian, actor, like all of the above. <laughs> you know, one of the things that I like about you is that you're very humble with you. everything you know you don't take anything for granted and you know that's kind of rare in this business so I, I'm going to say keep going in what you're doing as far as comedy is concerned I enjoy the laughter I enjoy coming out it's always a good time but y'all watching the diva show every second and fourth Thursday I'm on at 12 noon until 2 p.m. And I just want to promote real quick, Infamous Madam. Check out this book, Infamous Madam. This young lady has written a book that is absolutely phenomenal. I'm going to be um, writing the film for this book. Mm. So expect mm. that in the future. And if you're not aware of who Black Madam is, Black Madam is the young lady 
that unfortunately was incarcerated for injecting, doing butt injections and did 10 years. And she's writing a book, not only about that, but just of her life and what she experienced with family and friends in the transition process of being the woman that she is today. She's a singer, she's an actress, she's a writer. The book is just an easy read. And mm. I don't like to admit it to a lot of people, but I don't like to sit. It's not my thing to sit down and read a book because not that I don't like to read, but my schedule is just so crazy that I sometimes don't get a chance to just sit and read. And when I did, I focused and I took the time and I sat down and I read. I started reading to the point where I finished like 12 pages in just one sitting. And the only reason why I stopped reading is because I started to fall asleep. This is a book and she attended FLC as well. Black Madam. You can find the book on infamousmadam.com. I got the book and I'm, I'm going to tell you, I even like this. I got that book. Like, get the book. Like, she's going to be all over my page. I did an interview with Ooh. her last month. She's going to be all over my page. But I didn't like the texture of the book. It's like, it's soothing. I can't wait to um, see the movie. <laughs> listen, it's, the, it's a wide range of everything. It goes from when she decided to tell her family that she wanted to be transgender. And especially when mm -hmm. she told her father she wanted to be transgender. I'm not going to tell you what the book is in detail but it talks about that and it also talks about her career of how she elevated into music and, and things of that nature and navigated through life so it's not just about the butt injection so i just want y'all to understand that and one of the things that she said if you look at our previous interview one of the things that she said to me is that she felt like she was put on a shelf it was an unfortunate time, but she felt like she was put on the shelf because 10 years ago, like she said to me, 10 years ago, what she was going through was unheard of. It was mm -hmm. taboo. People didn't talk about right. it. People were not right. accepting and things like that. And now, you know, she feels like now that she's home from prison, that she has more of a freedom to be who she is. And it, it, it kind of shows you how the world evolved in the past 10 years, you know, in acceptance. So I just want to make sure I show Absolutely. it again. Make sure you get your book. It's, it's Cop that book. phenomenal. Get that book. Infamous Madam, Black Madam. Like, Black Madam. I'm, I'm, I'm going to prepare you that, that there are some stars that are in this book, are, are mentioned. Um, some people that <laughs> with all over the world, all over the world was coming yeah. to Philly for her to sculpt their bodies. Wow. I'm just going to tell you that, you know, and unfortunately wow. it was a situation that occurred during one sculpting that, you know, landed her in, in prison, unfortunately. However, she has a story. The story is phenomenal. She got some music out right now. I'm getting ready to post some things with the backing with her music and um, we getting ready to do the film and y'all going to see everything from beginning to end. And um, hopefully you enjoy it. I'm going to enjoy it. Right? To it. I, 
listen, I'm going to enjoy writing it. I, I'm not going to lie. I enjoy writing it because I love interesting things and her life is very, very interesting. So we're going to jump back into it. So <clears throat> you're a multitasking entertainer. <laughs> multitasking entertainer. They always say women are multitasking by nature. However, you multitask. You handle being a comedian, working for the city, your family, raising boys in the city of Philadelphia. Absolutely. Being a comedian, an actor in theater, which, like Mel says, you, theater is different. You don't get to do that twice. Yeah. It's one yeah. shot. You got to get it right the first time. And also, you are an actor in film. You've done multiple things. And I'll say the first production that I saw you in was Detox. And that was under the direction of Ontario Kim Wilson. Shout out to Ontario Kim Wilson. Shout out to Kim. Shout out to Kim. You're doing phenomenal things, my sis. And um, I'm here to support you. So I saw you in Detox. What was it for you in your first acting debut in Detox? I was scared to death. I was, um, I was, I was, I wasn't even supposed to have that role. I, I was supposed to be the villain. And most of his, a, a good part of his scenes were off stage. He just had, it was like voice work because they mm -hmm. were on, on, on a laptop. So I was cool with that. And for some reason, the lead guy couldn't do the play. So Tim said she was going to find another lead, but she asked me to read for him during rehearsals so that the other actresses can get their work, you know, their practice in. And it was a part of the play where he had read an inbox and this guy was coming on to his wife. And the way she wrote his response was like, it was too calm for me. So I was like, get out, this is crazy. So Kim was like, what? I said, if I, if I read this on my wife's page, I'm waking her up, I don't care what time of night it is. So she was like, <laughs> she was like, you know what? She sat back and I mean, it took a matter of seconds. She said, you're the lead. She said, I'll find another guy to play your role. I'm like, no, 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 that's not what I was saying. But that's what she did and, and, and I, I went back and at the time I didn't know much about acting. I mean, I don't know much now, but I knew even less then. So what? I was just, I was just, <laughs> I was memorizing you say, words. You can't, you can't even mouth well, the words saying you don't know much now. But then, you know, I think what it was is that you, you recognize that natural behavior needs to take place. And yeah. there is no man out there that finds that his woman, well, I'm just going to say in my opinion, this is yours. There's no man that looks up something and sees emails or text messages or whatever between his wife and someone else that's not going to wake her up and be like, Absolutely. We got to talk about this. this? About? <laughs> Let's talk, now, bro. Now, I'm not, Let's you're talk not right sleeping now. comfortably. No, you're yeah. not sleeping comfortably. No. So I, I'm going to say that's when I first observed and watched and I saw the production um, I think we had talked previously before and you told me you were going to be in detox and we had talked about 
the DVD that you wanted me to take to Mel Williams, your comedy DVD that you wanted me to take to Mel Williams, because, you know, I was going back and forth to Mel's classes and stuff. And shout out to Mel Williams. He still has his classes going on. A new generation. New York. He is still training A-list actors all the way through. I got a story about that, about that DVD, too. And I can show it to you. Mel inboxed me. Mel said, I asked him, I inboxed him, I said, did you get my DVD? He said, yes. Diva gave it to me. He said, some good stuff there. He said, one of my actors blew a couple of takes laughing at your, uh, laughing at your, at your DVD. And guess who it was? Michael who? K. Williams. Michael K. Williams. Listen, God rest his soul. Listen, I was in the class with him and one of the things that people don't realize, and yes, I, I did know him and I did speak with him. You know, we've had conversations. We sat. Anyway, um, he played such a hard guy on the wire. Mm -hmm. He is such a sweet, he was such a sweetheart. You know, that's why I, I really feel. Yo, that's what Snoop said. Heart. I did he the play with Snoop from the wire and she said the same thing. She said the exact, that's exactly how she described him. She was like, man, he cool. He looked out for me, but he's a sweetheart, man. He's a real sweetheart. Like, you know, Snoop from the wire, she real, you know what I mean? Listen, like, well, she, we were sitting there and I was, talking to, I was talking to her, right? And I'm talking to her and I said to her, I said, you know, Mike comes off kind of hard. And she was like, no, no, he yep. don't. She was Indeed. like, he cool. And you know how oh, she's saying, cool, he cool, he cool. He cool. He cool. He cool. <laughs> I was like, all right, you know, Patricia was like, just just talk to him. So I, I started talking to him and he was just so bubbly and he couldn't stop smiling. You know, just in, in general conversation, we were laughing and we were joking about things. So, you know, just to let y'all know that Mike was very, um, he was a very gentle person. And sometimes people go through things and they don't know how to get out of things. But he was yeah. a very, you know, a, a very sweet, kind-hearted person, um, regardless of his character in The Wire. And the bottom line is, one of the things that we talked about is when you take on a role, you are no longer yourself. So no longer he yourself. Jumped, he jumped in that role, you know, on The Wire, Omar. Like, he was Omar. Like, he wasn't Mike, you it know. Was a, it was an iconic role. It was an iconic role. I mean... If I do comedy right now in Baltimore and I do his whistle, everybody know what I'm talking about. Like, it's just, uh, it's just, I don't even have to say his name. I matter of fact, I did that whistle in Atlantic City, New Jersey, and they was like, Omar coming. So it was an iconic role and he embodied it. He embodied it. He, he, really? He embodied it. Very much so. So after I saw you, in detox, you stood out. Whenever I reach out to you mm -hmm. and say, listen, let's talk, that means you stood out. And there's quite a okay. few people that I've done that with. And you stood out. And I wanted to see where things were going. So I, I was doing the TV series of Faces of Life and everything where you played the dope boy. And if we have let three last scenes to shoot this weekend, for witness and then we jumping into faces of life just to let everybody know that's why i put it out there like you know diva entertainment at mm. gmail.com send a reel um you played the dope boy that was the first that was my you know, first acting. film and, and the thing yeah. is you know 
it was short. It was short, but it was powerful because it was um, just just to paint it for you, for you all. It was a scene where a young man growing up, his mom was an addict. He's been taking care of her all of this time. He's walking down the street. She walking down the street. She walking down the street to cop. And who does she cop from? You. Oh, me. <laughs> right? So yep. she cop. And then her son comes up looking around like, mom, is that my mom? And you said, yo, my man. Like, it was <laughs> just, it was just a natural feel to that. And, and and you clowned him in the same, at the same time, yo, my man, just say no. You know what I mean? <laughs> so it, it was signature and it stuck with me. I was like, he has a natural feel and he understands what needs to take place within the scene to move the scene because I didn't really, I didn't give you any instruction. Yeah, no dialogue. No dialogue whatsoever. It was you, it was Head, and it was Kyson. And I said, I this, Kyson. Yep, I said, I need y'all to stand here. Y'all gonna be the dope boys. That's who she's copping from. And her son is gonna come down the street. That's all I said to you guys. That's all I said. And Hez was like, yo, 5-0. Like right before you said, yo, my man, he's like, yo, 5-0. So, you know, Kyson threw the dude. She picked it up. And he was like, he's still looking around trying to figure out what's going on. She already walked off with the dude. He was like, yo, my man, just say no. And you laughed. <laughs> that was just so signature. I was like, oh, that's just taunting. You know, you watching your mom cap, and then, then you got the dope deal laughing at it. it. It stuck with me, and I said, you know what? He has something that I see, and I know that I want to work with him. And um, that's when we went further, and we wound up doing, what, Dirty Laundry, right? Dirty Laundry, yep. That was my first DEU lead role. And And Dirty Laundry is now on Amazon Prime. It's been on Amazon Prime for about what a year and a half now. A year and a half, yeah. Check that out. Listen, if you haven't seen it, Amazon Prime, Dirty Laundry. It's funny. It's drama. It's controversy. It's everything. <laughs> crazy. And it's crazy. It, it it is, and you really push the limit with 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 the role. I pushed you because I had to give you some of the background of. Your character, yeah. you know, yeah. you pay, you played a con, like you trusted me. You played a controversial character that was bisexual, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. and you didn't cringe. And I and and for me, I was like, well, he understands his acting, and I'm not challenging his manhood. And some others would be like, oh, I'm not doing that. But you understood. It's just acting. You took it on into acting. You executed, you carried everything. And I'm just going to say, and what you all created together was just phenomenal. And yeah, so many people don't. enjoyed it, you know, um, and we've been rocking ever since. Absolutely. Thank you. I appreciate that opportunity, too. That was a, um, it was a learning experience. I got to meet some dope people. Like I said, Kyson. Um, I learned a lot of I learned a lot about acting through Kaisen and um he doesn't talk much. Well to me anyway, but he teaches all the time. 
And he always, he would tell me like, you know what I'm saying? He'd give me little, like little, little one-liners or little things. And he helped me to, um, you talk me into acting because I wasn't going to do it. I, I, and I know you remember that conversation. I, I didn't think I would be a very good actor because I never studied the craft and I didn't want to disrespect it by going up there and thinking I could do it. Because I would hate for somebody to just step on stage and think they could do comedy, like what T.I. is doing right now. Just go up there and just do some comedy because you're funny at work or you're the funny guy in, 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 at school. That's not a comedian. So because I can memorize some lines, that's not acting. And that was my approach that you were like, dude, you're already doing it. Just trust me. And that's, I don't know if you remember saying this one, you remember, but I remember you saying it to me. You was like, if you don't trust yourself, trust me, trust that I know what I'm talking about. And I was like, all right, cool. Cause if, if, if this don't go right, I'm blaming you. But <laughs> <laughs> That's a good, that's dirty, a good way of looking at it. Dirty Laundry was an amazing opportunity because I worked with some of the most talented actors and actresses. I mean, Kais, Jerome, um, um, Lynn. Lynn, yes, Lynn, Lynn. Oh my gosh, shout out to Lynn. Nostalgia, like you know what I'm saying? Um, um Kobe. It was just a lot of it was it was a lot in, in Eric. You know, it was a lot and it was uh it was it was a it happened so fast. That was like my first you know, it, it happened so fast. I just it was a blur for a long time. It was a blur. But I learned a lot. I learned a lot on dirty laundry. Well, we had this conversation before when when I was telling you and I was encouraging you to do acting is that comedians are the first actors. Hmm. People don't get it. They're the first actors because when they hop on that stage, they had three seconds, three to 10 seconds to capture their audience, to believe what they're saying out of their mouth, to enjoy what they're saying out of their mouth, to really listen and pay attention to what they're saying out their mouth. Because let's face it, when you go into a comedy room, people have been drinking, they've been eating, whatever. Mm -hmm. Like, mm -hmm. you have to command the room. So I think it's very difficult for comedians to actually command the room at times if they don't have the charisma to do so. And that's where acting comes in because you have to pay attention to what's going on in the room. Maybe you might identify with what's going on over at this table and you might speak on that table. It'll draw everybody's attention. And then now everybody's paying attention to you because you're talking about this table, what have you. So it's like, it takes a lot of creativity in order to do that, in order to grab an audience. So y'all are the first actors. And then when you, you think about it, there are so many actors that have went on to be, I mean, I'm sorry, so many great comedians that have I went on to be, to be great actors. And I, I was speaking with Absolutely. you about that before. You got Richard Pryor, Absolutely. you got Eddie Murphy. And Eddie Murphy, you said that's somebody who inspired you. You got Eddie Murphy, you got Red Fox. I, I watched Sanford and Son for years. I yeah. didn't know, unfortunately, until my dad passed because that was one of his favorite shows. I didn't know that Red Fox was a stand-up comedian yeah. before he did Sanford and Son. I didn't know that um, Esther Rowe. Lawanda <laughs> Page? The one who plays Aunt Esther? Yes. Aunt Esther was a comedian. And also Grady. Grady is a stand-up comedian. But who would have known? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so many comedians go on to be actors so that's why i was telling you you have like a natural flow a natural that 
identifies with your audience. And it's kind of like, as a comedian, you have to recognize what's going on in the room, what's going to mm -hmm. push the room forward, what's going to gravitate them towards you, what's going to make them pay attention to you because you're the one standing on the stage. It's not about, hey, I'm up here. Mm -hmm. It's not about mm -hmm. that. It's about your delivery, how you communicate with them and how you identify with them. And when you were traveling and going in different states and things like that, there are certain things that you can identify with them personally but they also want you to identify with certain things that happen in their state. Like, for instance, you're not going to talk about city while you're down in the country. Right. Country is different. You know what it's I mean? It's, it's two different areas. So the way that I looked at it, um, you were very adaptable. Um, you allowed me to communicate with you, which some actors don't. Um they're so set in their ways. And one of the things when I mentioned that Mel has said to me before, he said he likes to to um, teach children. Not that he, you know, he likes to teach children because they have not developed bad habits. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. know, um, I did a lot of acting back and forth in New York for a long time. And one of the reasons why I developed DEU is because I got the nose, like you were saying, you develop your your room because you got the nose. Same reason why I did DEU is because they weren't familiar with me. And Philly has so many acting cliques that they only mm -hmm. hire the people that they know and talk about the people that they within know. Within their clique. Within yeah. their clique, you know, and you have to grow your company. So every production that I have, I add people into DEU. Every single production that I have, um, because I know there are some people out there that have gotten no's like I did, and it's only because they weren't familiar with me. Not because I couldn't act. It's because right. they weren't familiar with me. And they just wanted to bring somebody on that they knew could do the actual work, but didn't give other new people an opportunity. So, Absolutely. you know, it is what it is. But um, like I said, many greats have gone on and so forth and so on. And I know Detox moved on to filming, right? Absolutely, yep. So yep. Ontario yeah. Kim Wilson has filmed Detox, and that's going to be. Do you know when that's out? Do you know when that's out? no? We still have we still have I think um, maybe one or two more scenes to shoot. The pandemic put a, a damper on a lot of things, so it did. You know, and then the crazy part is coming out of the pandemic. Everybody got super busy, so we're still we're still filming that, and we're still we we, we got like maybe a scene or two to shoot, and then we'll be done. And see, that's, that's where I'm at. And I think I mentioned to, that to you before. It seems like during COVID, people had an opportunity to do quite a few things. They had an opportunity to reflect on their talent, see where they wanted the talent to go, um, rush up on their talent, take advantage of the venues that were open and that, you know, people weren't afraid to come out and things like that. So it, it was almost like, once they lowered the mask mandate in the uh, the COVID test mandate, it was almost like everybody, not just acting, I think music, everything, like people were just moving on and, and progressing. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's absolutely awesome. So it's like, it's good to know that everybody is, is moving along and moving on. Absolutely, absolutely. So I got to talk about it, custody. Mm. custody with Lawrence <laughs> Theater I just I just saw this 
last week. And it was a one-man show. It was two hours. And you captivated the audience for the entire two hours. Mm -hmm. Phenomenal job. I'm telling you. Thank you. Thank you. Like, you know, um, myself in Ontario. (laughs) But you know what? I'm going to say that I saw a range in you that was just phenomenal. And shout out to Damian Wallace, who was your director, who was directing you and pulling all of the pieces and 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 getting it together. And shout yeah. out to Darrell Lawrence, um, Lawrence Theater Company for the production. But it blew me away. Damien, Damien, I'm sorry, Damien did something in rehearsal that no other director that I've worked with did. Like when I worked with you and worked with Kim, I worked with uh, Damon Hill, a couple other guys. They, um, we stuck to the script. Damien would go off of, he, 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 we broke the character down and he was asking me stuff that had nothing to do with custody, but the character. And he made me cry in rehearsal, man. And, and it wasn't even about a scene. It was like, it was, it was, we were doing, we, we were talking about something. It was, I mean, it, it was related to a scene, but it was, it was, it was all about developing the character. He wouldn't let me, he wouldn't let me off the hook. And he said that to me. He said, I don't know. He said, I've worked with you before. I've done, I've done quite a few plays with Damien. And he said to me, you know, it's just me and you, bro. He said, normally, and I, 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 I sidetracked a little bit when, 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 when we're rehearsing, and that's for all you guys. Directors have different ways of giving notes. You know what I'm saying? You, if you, you, you give notes at the end of the rehearsal. If it's something like real crazy standing out, you'll whoa, wait a minute, no, you'll stop. But normally, you let you let the rehearsal ride. Damien's like that. Damien will let the rehearsal ride, and at the end, like the last half hour, he's giving everybody notes. Mm-hmm. And when I first started working with him, he never gave me no notes, so I thought they didn't like me. <laughs> I was like, I went up to him after the after rehearsal, like I talked to him for a minute. I said, "Listen, I don't, you know, you never give me my notes. I, I want to get better too. I'm, I'm not getting any better." Damien said, "I only give notes when they're needed." He said, "You're fine. You don't need notes right now." So. Now, fast forward to custody. He said, you wanted notes? You getting them because <laughs> it's just you. <laughs> and he said, he said, I love you as a brother, but I can't let you, we, we, we can't skate through this. You gotta, you gotta get what's coming. And he said, I hope you're prepared. And so I did, I, I did the work. I was prepared. I was, I interviewed so many guys that were on um, child support and we're going through that you know and it was just it was I was scared because like I said it was 63 pages and <laughs> I didn't the play was April 15th on a Friday I didn't mm-hmm. get off book until that Tuesday <laughs> well listen I didn't get off book until that Tuesday as long as you have book that's what's majorly important but I'm going to tell you honestly coming from a director I'm just going to tell you it showed. I thank you. Thank you. I sat there. I didn't eat all day. 
I had been running all day. I didn't eat all day, but I wanted to make sure that I was there. I didn't want to get up. There was no intermission. Oh. I wanted to get up and get water and, and chips. And I walked into the lobby real quick to get water and chips. And Darrell was like, hey, how you doing? Thank you for coming out. And I was like, all right, thank you. Who do I get the money to? He was like, <laughs> And he was like, you all right? I said, yeah, I got to get back in here. I got to get back in here. I can't miss anything. Like, you captivated everyone in the audience from the beginning till the end. And every pointer that <clears throat> that you received from Damien showed. And mm. I, I saw it in him at the end because he even had tears in his eyes because that's what happens when you, when you cultivate and you teach, and then you see it happen because you know every time y'all did a production when we were at Stagecrafters, I, I only came backstage with y'all during intermission. Other than that, right. I sat in the audience. You know, right. I, I watched the show because I wanted to see what was going on. I didn't need to be back there because we had a team that was back there. So right. I sat and I watched, and to watch you all do your thing, and that's what he did. He watched you do your thing when you did custody. And he was emotionally filled. And I totally get it. And I totally understand. Because <clears throat> there are so many men out here that are dealing with the issues that you presented. And you presented it in such a real way. Um, a vulnerable way. And not many mm -hmm. men want to be vulnerable anywhere. And you right. took yourself away from that protection and allowed yourself to be vulnerable in front of the audience and you delivered who he was, mm. it was phenomenal. Mm. It was phenomenal. And I have I to give it. I appreciate it. Thank you so much. Thank you, know, you so much. I appreciate it. And from what I understand, you all are traveling with it, right? Yes. We're doing, um, we're doing Charlotte, North Carolina on Father's Day, and then we're, we're going from there to Sumter, South Carolina, and I think we're going to finish in Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia. So I'm going to say to you all, Craig McLaurin is on Instagram under at Craig Met Comedy. Make sure you tap into his Instagram. Follow him on Instagram because they'll let you know where he's going to be, and you'll be able to check out the show, and as That's well cool. on Facebook under Craig McLaurin. And right. you'll be able to check it out and you'll be able to follow and check out the show because it's something you don't want to miss. And I'm just going to say, it's something you don't want to miss for a lot of reasons. One, it's like so many, and I'm a female, it's so many females out there that don't understand the other side. They're just thinking about their side because they're dealing with emotion. And as mm -hmm. I said to you earlier, my, my brother always told me, when you're dealing with certain situations, you deal with facts. You don't deal with emotion. Take emotion out of it. The fact is, you all have a child together. The fact is, the child needs to have both parents. The fact is, is that this child is going to grow up and resent one of you if you keep one from the other. And if you start to remove the emotion, oh, he hurt mm -hmm. me. He did that. I'm not going to let him see the kid. Like, all of that. It creates turmoil for the child and that's a fact and a lot of them mm -hmm. don't get that you know what I mean mm -hmm. so you presenting that other side the male side of the hurt and I'm not going to go into it because I want them to see it but you present the other side of things 
actually gives some women that are willing to focus and pay attention the other side of things you know mm. um some some relationships don't work out but you got to work it out for the for the child for the kid exactly you know what i mean so i i encourage all of you to make sure that you get an opportunity to check out custody and where is it going to be again Sumter is going to be in Charlotte, North Carolina. Then we're moving to Sumter, South Carolina. And then we're going to end up in Atlanta, Georgia. And more dates are coming. Those are the three that we have right now. More dates are definitely coming. We're talking about taking this thing throughout the country. It, we, 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 it was supposed to be in L.A. I was supposed to do it March 18th, L.A., the, um, March 18th and 19th in L.A., but we had an issue with the venue. I think it was a lighting issue with the venue. So since we were already available on those dates, Darrell said, let's do it here in Philly. Let's let, let's show Philly what we got first before we take it abroad. But we're still going to do L.A. We're still we're, we're, he, he, we're going to travel the country with this thing. He's really uh, I think um, he's really he's really excited. I've never seen Darrell this hype about a project. He's really excited about this. Because it's necessary and it's important. It's necessary okay. and important. And your delivery of it is so powerful. Wow. I'm, I'm going I'm wow. to say this, and <laughs> wow. some females might get mad at me, but they're silly and foolish yeah. if they don't yeah. recognize. You know what I mean? Like, it's just being silly and foolish if you don't recognize. You know, um, I'm, not, I'm not going to, how do I say, promote uh, a certain thing, but I, I'm going to say it. When I watch Paternity Court from time to time, I get so upset so upset mm. because of some of the things that are said and some of the things that are done you know i've i've never denied you know father to see a child like that's just yeah. but it is what it is so we talked I'm about be honest. Theater. go ahead i thought i thought when i first came out the audience the first night we did it march 18th mm -hmm. it was it was like maybe four or five guys the rest of the audience was female so I was like, yo, they are not going to, they're not going to sit there and watch me do what I do in this kind, like in this way, like coming at women. They were, they were with it though. That's but you weren't. Shocked me. They were but you weren't. They were with it. And see, listen, the way that Darrell wrote this, the mm -hmm. way that it was written, and shout out to Darrell, the way that he wrote this, it wasn't coming at women. Mm. It wasn't coming at women. What it did was pronounce what men go through when they love their child and they want to be a part of their child's life, period. Mm. Yeah. It didn't come at women because at no time was it like that. And I, I can't, I don't want to go into anything yeah, yeah, when yeah, I want yeah, to yeah. come out to see it. But at no yeah. time was it like that. So for me, there was no other way that they could receive it but the mm. way that you projected it. Mm. At no time did it come at women at all. It just presented his position and how he felt. And you displayed it very well. And thank you so much. And I got to say, the fact that you and Kim and Damon were all there and the three of you gave me that, three of you said what you said, it was it meant everything. That meant everything. It that was, meant everything. It was it was it was a phenomenal experience, and I I, I was tired as hell. I was tired as hell. <laughs> I'm, I'm tired as hell. 
But I said, I got to be there because I want to see it. You know, so I, I, I really, I thoroughly enjoyed it. So, like I said earlier, you and your multitasking entertain it. But that's where I think the comedy helps the acting because, especially in theater, because when you're on stage in comedy, you neck it. It's just you either you either going to succeed or fail. There's only two two emotions that you get out of a comedy crowd. And that's either laughter or anger. If you're not funny, they're going to get mad. Whereas in a, in 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 a, in a in a play, a, a stage play, you just have to tell a story. But being able to do that, I, I see that the comedy helped me with my stage fright. I'm not afraid to be on stage. I'm not afraid to be big on stage because theater is big. You know what I'm saying? It's, 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 it's over the top. And that's where the comedy kicked in and helped because I'm going to be honest with you. When I, when I read Custody, it was dramatic for me. And it was sad for me. And it was like, it was like, um, it was dramatic. The first night I did it and people started laughing. I was like, what are they laughing? It, it threw me. I'm like, this ain't funny. It's like, what are they laughing at? And I had no idea that comedy would come out of that the way it did. So the two of them, the two kind of helped each other in that, step, in that sense, the acting and the comedy. Not for the prep work, though. Well, the preparation and acting and comedy are are are, are way different. Way and you different. you, like, you talked about way that. Different. You because have to we, become somebody else. You have you, to you become, have to become else. some completely, completely. Yeah, you and can't, you can't. And, and for you to be able to deliver that and never experience that is even more once. phenomenal. Because if you have a man that's been through that, he's going to deliver something different. He's going to deliver yeah. something angry. Yeah, you know what I mean. You deliver something heartfelt. He's going to deliver something angry mm. because that's what's in him, and that's what he remembered because that was his experience. But and that's what I got for most of the guys. Yeah, because it that's is it is a, a angry thing, but you took the anger out of it and put more of a a heartfelt emotion to it. That I think an actor that experienced it wouldn't understand it he has to take his anger out right but that's where Damien challenged Damien was challenging me because he would say things to me in rehearsal like why is she the way she is towards him like Damien held him uh, uh, accountable for some of this stuff too so like you said I don't want to give too much of it away but Damien held him accountable for it too he was like she's not crazy She's just not some crazy female that is just driving you crazy. What did he do to take her to that place? And that's that was that took that that was a part of the delivery as to that that's the state of mind I was in in delivering. And it wasn't just because every guy I interviewed over 20 guys. Cause like I said, I've never see, been in the child I support. Stop you. I gotta stop you. Because mm -hmm. that's important. Can't brush over that. That's important. What's that? As an actor, you take the time to investigate the character that you're going to portray. Investigating, and when you do that, you're tapping into, and like you said, almost 20 people, you're tapping into the different emotions that they felt 
in those type of moments that you were mm -hmm. dealing with and you had to make a conscious decision of how you were going to portray this character absolutely none of them had the same one i'm all, but, I almost promise you but they were all coming from anger so when i first read it i told you I first when I first read it, that's how I present. I mean, when I first when I first performed it for Damon, it was anger, and he was like, "No, let's 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 not point a finger." Here. They both have, they both shared in the decline of that relationship, or, 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 or whatever. Exactly. So he was like, "No, let's not just let's not just look at her. Let's look at him too." And that's the part about him that I feel like this dude is a is the genius. He's brilliant when it comes to because I never thought to do that. I never and, and thought like to said, because the bottom line is this, you know, one of the things that Mel taught, shout out again to Mel Williams, is that there are times where you deliver anger, mm -hmm. but your entire delivery cannot be anger. But that's where it I cannot at. be anger because if your entire delivery is anger, anger, you're going to lose your audience. They're going to get tired of you being angry, and they're going to be like, "All right, well, what now? Like, really? Yeah, they're going to turn on you. Yeah, two hours, yeah. like, because you're <laughs> mad at this chick. Like, is this what I really came mm. for? So that's where you have to dig into that creatively, that creative mm. crate." and deliver the character in a way that they can receive, especially females, because you're coming from a guy on the opposite side of custody. Yes, you have to figure yes. out how to deliver that to a female as to where she would be able to hear you. Because as soon as you start start doing the anger thing, immediately, yeah, that's that same, that, that was down mm -hmm. in court, that's what mm -hmm. he was saying, that's what he was, mm -hmm. you, you understand? And then it's a complete turn off. And then for the most part, everything is done after that moment so the decision different characters working. the different characters helped push that as well because it was it was like just the different characters that were played not just the female but the old guy the young kid like it was just it, it gave it that balance and it was i'm, I'm gonna say a, like the, the old guy it was a lot it was a lot man i'm gonna say and i'm not i'm not telling anything but i encountered the old guy when i worked at the the assistant facility home and i'm like everybody says that everybody says like, that mr <laughs> george like today like right now like seriously so i i listen when you went into that i was like wow but yeah. it was great because it was nuances that was created in between that helped to break up the makeup if that makes yes. sense and it yes. helped to feed into everything so i'm going to tell y'all like we're talking and we're not trying to give you everything that's going on but I can't encourage you enough to make sure that you check out Custody with Lawrence Theater Company, directed by Damian Wallace, the infamous Damian Wallace, who is phenomenal in his direction um, and is a phenomenal actor. So I want to make sure that we put that out there. And they're going to be traveling up and down the country doing That's it. And I'm yeah, almost positive yeah. with Darrell Lawrence that he's going to make sure that he brings it back to Philly. So oh, we definitely bring it back to Philly. We're bringing it back to Philly before the end of the year. We're definitely bringing it back to Philly. Yeah. That's awesome. Definitely. Definitely. So as I said before, Mr. Multitasker, because <laughs> we've been talking about theater. Right. We haven't even tapped into film. Wow. Because... Tubi TV. Tubi TV. 
But you done detoxes getting ready to come out. Mm -hmm. You already have Dirty Laundry that is on Amazon Prime. Right. As of May 1st, May, May 1st. 1st, you have the lead role and have you seen her that is going to be on Tubi, it's going to be on Netflix, it's going to be on BET, wow. it's going to be on Hulu, wow. it's going to be all the major networks, but we're starting out with Tubi, and it's under Dame Dash Studios as well as Homestead Entertainment. So, you know, listen, wow. you're doing some things, and as I said before, <laughs> like, while you're on your journey, sometimes you don't look at it and it's like you're just working and working and working but you're working yeah and you're getting it done yeah. and a lot of people appreciate your talent a lot of people appreciate your talent i got something Thank really you. crazy for you for you and kaisen but we'll talk about that later yeah it's, it's, yeah. it's getting ready to go down um listen kaisen kaisen is an amazing dude man you showed huh? me a range you showed me a range Okay. Well, listen, you gotta understand. <laughs> I just, I was just in a play called um, The Shoeshine Box. Yes. Written by Adrian Cater. Shout out to Adrian. And I play a soldier who had PTSD. Now, when I, when I, when, when my second play with DEU, as you know, was Have You Seen Her? Where I played a, um, I played a child molester. And that was Lord, I prayed. That's what I mean. That's what I meant. I'm sorry. Lord, I prayed. Lord, I prayed. I played a child molester. But Kyson's character, Kyson's character was a, a soldier with PTSD. Mm -hmm. And he was blind. But I don't know if you paid attention, but every rehearsal I was there, even if I didn't get a chance to speak that night, I studied him. I studied Kyson, man, because he was... He's a he's a he's a he's a phenomenal dude to watch act and do what he do. And he's very, very, very serious about it, very anal about it. And and I learned a lot from him. I learned from watching him, I learned a lot from talking to him about these characters and how to approach him. So I'm I'm I don't know which you got planned for me and Kaiser, but whew, oh, I'm I already got excited. I got a plan. <laughs> I'm already I'm excited. About it later, but I got it planned. But I will say this, you know. When when Kaisen and I had our first encounter, he came on set as an act an, as an extra from Ty Birch because Ty Birch had a lead role, still has a lead role. Um, but I was like, ah, I need to sing that. You know anybody? And he was like, Yeah, I'll call my buddy Kaisen. So I was like, All right, call Kaisen. Kaisen came over. He was with you and Hez on that whole drug deal and the whole night. Right. Um, y'all were the drug dealers. And was that the first time you worked with him? Yes. Wow. That was the first that. time I worked with him. I and know that. oh yeah. And I was like, are you are you interested in, in the speaking role? He was like, sure, yeah, I'll do it. And his first speaking role was in dirty laundry. Mm. Think about that. Yeah. Yeah. You see how that came off? I was like, oh my gosh. So we we continued to talk, you know, and that's when he got that role of Donnie and Have You Seen Her, which is going to be on Tubi. He got the role of Donnie and he was my assistant director on Have You Seen Her. And when it came up to Witness, I mean, the way that we worked together on Have You Seen Her, when it came up to Witness, 
I was like, I, I, I just need you as my partner. Like, yeah. period. You know, so it worked out. And, you know, have you seen her? It's coming out. It's going to be on mm. Tubi, starring Craig McLaurin, doing mm -hmm. his doggone thing. If you want to Thank check you. him out now, you can check him out on Amazon Prime with Dirty Laundry. All you have to do is type in Diva Entertainment and Dirty Laundry. It's been on there. It's going to be on there. It's free if you yeah. are Amazon Prime. Make sure that you check him out because he's very, um, the finesse. <laughs> Thank the you. Finesse yeah, Nate, is, Nate Greenson. You know, <laughs> Nate Greenson is, is, is a whole mess. You know, yeah. so you have experience in comedy you have experience and we talked about that like you start off at, in in comedy and not saying that you'll ever dismiss comedy but a lot of comedians became actors and they still do they stand up but they became actors you know because right. y'all are the first comedian y'all are the first actors because you have to capture an audience so i'm leading all of this up to say that you have had a phenomenal a phenomenal you do have a phenomenal career um, of graduation and, and everything that you have done. And I'm sure everybody is looking forward to seeing you do more. And they can do that, what, May 27th when you open up for Monique at the oh Keswick God, Theater? Yeah. Keswick Theater, May 27th, yeah. And I got tickets if you need them. <laughs> he, he, yeah. he got Listen, I already got mine. I'm in the house, you know. Yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm sure your journey, when you first started comedy, did you think that you was going to be open enough for Monique? No, no. I, I mean, I've done so much in comedy. I didn't. I, a lot of the stuff I didn't think I, I will be doing. I've got the chance to do to work with Tommy Davidson. I've got. I got Tommy. Tommy gave me his phone number. I got a chance to work with Bill Bellamy and you know um, Pierre. Uh, like a lot of a lot of a lot of greats, man. I met Melanie Camacho. I met. Um, these are these are some these are some amazing people that and and when we talk about inspiration, the 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 the, the mainstream comedians are definitely everybody's inspiration. But the funniest cats are the guys you don't know about, the guys who haven't broken into mainstream yet, like Marshall Brandon, like John Laster, like you know what I'm saying. Those guys are are, are hilarious. Tommy too so, smooth. Um, oh, oh my, my gosh. God! Like, listen, <laughs> and, and, and Tommy too smooth is actually in. Have you seen her in, in yeah. the scene with Craig McLaurin? <laughs> so I have a question for you. So if you have any advice for someone that wants to take that leap and want, if they're interested in taking that step into comedy, what advice would you give them in doing so? If someone if someone was going from acting to comedy or just want to be a comedian, period. Just just wanted to be a comedian. Just lower your ego and 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 write. Get on as many stages as you can and and go with your gut. But don't don't listen to everything you hear. Because a lot of people, especially what I've learned from dealing with a lot of comedians is they have a they're very emotional. Comedians are emotional. A male comedian is extremely emotional. So a lot of times, that's how they deal with you through their emotions, whether that emotion is happy, sadness, anger, envy, whatever it is, they'll deal with you that way. So you got to know what you want and go get what you want. Don't don't let them deter you. Don't let them, like, they'll, they'll, they'll set up roadblocks. They're, they're clickish and they're just, if it's something you really want to do, just do it and, and, and research it 
but do it. And 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 if it's funny to you, it's funny that you 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 can sell it. I don't write a joke that I don't think is funny. If I if I don't think if it didn't make me laugh, I'll, I'll I, even if I thought about it and it was smart. If it didn't make me laugh, I won't present it to the audience because if I can if it can make me laugh, I can sell it to y'all. But that's what I would well, tell anybody: just go with your gut. And... I would say that that's that's good advice to go like across the board, whether it's acting, whether it's singing, whether it's dancing. You one thing I encourage people it. to do: you gotta, you gotta love, it. love it. You gotta love it. And you also have to learn how to have thick skin because there are people that yeah. will come along to try to deter you just because yeah. they don't want you to steal their light. And the thing is, is there's enough light for all of us. Like God shines above all mm -hmm. of us. There's enough light for all of us. Like no one yeah. steals anyone light. So just yeah. recognize that. So and it's and it's and it's a, it's, it's a good journey. Like I don't go. Like someone said to me the other day at my job, like, dude, how can you ride around listening to the radio and not and, and, and hear your voice or hear your name on the radio and it not do something to you? And I tell them, I said, dude, we when you're on the inside of that, we just trying to go from gig to gig. We not I don't pay attention to that stuff. That stuff don't pay the bills. That stuff don't make me like I have an ad going on the radio right now, but that's not gonna get me my like like my next gig is not about getting paid for them radio commercials. That's basically what I'm saying. It's just it's something it's 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 a, it's a part of the game. It, it's something that happens. But I'm on to the next gig, like the next job and the next the next role that I get. So that's what I'm that's what I'm worrying about right now. Like you know, what I'm saying the Monique show is amazing. I'm excited about it, and God willing, you thinking about the next show? More work will come from it. Yeah, more work will come from it, but. But but it's not the only thing I have on the table. We got I got a podcast that I'm doing. I have um I I wrote a short film that I'm directing. So it's 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 a lot that's it's yes. a lot that's going on. Yeah, it's yes. a lot that's going on. And and love it. I'm just you know what I'm saying I'm 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 blessed. I could I could I could I, I couldn't geek off this stuff if I wanted to because. It's not mine. It's just you you being allowed to run with a gift. And that's how I'm at. You being allowed Amen. To, to, Amen. to run with a gift. That's all. And you know, and and the thing about I'm 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 excited about your podcast and I'm even more excited about the fact that you wrote a short film and, and the directing the short film. You know, Mr. Multitasker, <laughs> like I said before, you have so many amazing gifts and you're absolutely right. You know. Diva is not D-I-V-A, it's D-E-E-V-A. You know, I'm very humble. You know, um, I enjoy what I do. It's about telling stories. Um, while we're finishing up Witness, I'm looking at, all right, I need to do a rap party. Okay, I need to do the premiere. Okay, I need to get started on Faces of Life TV series. Like, I'm already organizing what I need to do next. I'm not stuck here. So I'm like, hey, look what I did. And and I Yeah, don't... because that's not what it's about. That's not the vibe. It's not. That's not the vibe it's, at it's all. Not. That's not the vibe. And we all, we all just work together. All right, what are you working on? What are you doing? All right, well, you got time that I want to shoot something to you. You got a minute to listen to this or a minute to listen to that. Like that's that's what it's about. It's about being creative and collabing. And I really enjoy it. Um it's 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 a comfortable space to be in. When you start boasting and things like that, that's when your whole empire collapses. Period. Absolutely. 
Absolutely. So absolutely. Again, I'm going to promote that on May 27th, you're going to be at the May 27th. Yeah, May, I'm sorry. You're right, May 27th. May 27th 10 o'clock. You're going to be opening. Yes, you're going to be opening from Monique. Um, is Raymond Anthony's uh, Laugh Out Loud Productions in association with Comedy by You, right? They're bringing Monique's live to the Keswick Theater. It's two big shows. There's one at 7 and there's one at 10 p.m. We got a lot of different performers. We got A number one, Craig McLaurin. Who's on the yeah. bill? We got Malcolm Hill. We got Corey. You got Buck Wild. So yeah. I'm just going to encourage you all that you can go on to comedybytoray.eventbrite.com to get your tickets. However, Craig McLaurin got tickets. I got my tickets from Craig. Absolutely. I got my tickets from Craig. Like a, a a a while ago, because I don't want yeah. y'all still in my seats. So we in the street, we in the streets with them. Like I'm almost sold out, but we can. Um, like I said, Ray Ray is a good dude to do business with. Shout out to Raymond Anthony and Laugh Out Loud, and um, he 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 really he really put me on some big stages as far as comedy. And he said to me one day, he said, "Look, man." You don't have to do it this way, but it's, you can make a lot of money if you do it that the way I'm telling you to do it. He said, just trust me. You know, I've been doing it for a long time, and he has. So anybody that's, anybody that's been in the game for a minute, I, I give them an opportunity to, to prove themselves wrong. And none of you guys have let me down yet. So, so shout out to Ray. He put me on some major stages, and he told me, he said, I believe you can handle this now. You've been in the game for a minute, and I believe that you can handle what I'm giving you. So, you know, and, and I appreciate them for it. You know, hit me up for them tickets. Um, hit me up on Instagram, Craig Matt Comedy. Inbox me, DM me. I'll come to you with them tickets. Like we do, like this thing is a, this is a Laugh Out Loud production, but it's also in association with Comedy by Toure and in association with CMC, Craig McLaurin Comedy. So we're all getting this thing done. And, and that's what I love about Ray. He doesn't have, a drop of ego. <laughs> he just want everybody to get, let's, let's just get it done. Like, and those are the type of people I like to be around because time is short. Like life is short. We in a pandemic, the crime rate is high. Like you hear the day going tomorrow and, and I don't have time to, so that's why I said, like we talked earlier, I don't want no smoke. I don't want no talk for nobody. Like I don't have time for the, for the, for the nonsense. Let's get money. Let's 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 get these messages out there. Stories like "Have you seen her?" have to be told. Stories like "Witness." Stories like the um, "Black Madam." I mean, infamous. These stories have to be told because it 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 it, it can help somebody. And and we're the storytellers. You guys, you guys write them, and we visualize it. We bring your words to life. So let's 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 get this. Let's 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 make something happen. You know, Philly is coming up. Philly is Philly is a major place right now. It ain't like it was back in the day where you had to go to New York or LA. You know what I mean? Philly is How about right that? Now. How yeah, about Philly that? High. It's like, oh, when you move into Atlanta, now it's like you don't have to. Like, it's, have it's to. right here. It's a you lot know? of major, major writers, directors, producers right here in Philly. You know what I'm saying? You got Diva Gordon, you got Damian Wallace, Kim, you got um, um, Lawrence. um it's Darrell Lawrence. It's so many. It's so many. Like and it's 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 here. You know what I mean? Ty Birch, Tyson got yeah. something going on with Philadelphia. So you know what I'm saying? It's 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 a lot Philly popping right now. This is a good it time. Is. It's a good time to be. It's a good time to do what you do in Philly. Indeed, it's, it is. It's, it's a good thing right now, man. It's a good thing. Although the crime rate is <laughs> that 
of uh, Ukraine right now, but it's all good. I'm just we, saying, like, we about to put some major shows together. We about to put some major work in. Y'all got a lot of it's a lot of good coming between all of what you guys are doing, all of what Damon's doing. I mean, all of what Darrell's doing with um, Lawrence Theater Company, what Kim got coming, Tyson, Diva. It's 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 a lot. It's a lot. It, it's, y'all got y'all got to stay tuned. Y'all got to stay tuned. Y'all got to stay tuned because even Todd Burke's got like like some films coming that he's been working on films that he's yeah. been working on and he's Shout a phenomenal cinematographer so and his ideas just 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 are just mind-blowing so we have a lot to offer you um just like the diva show has a lot to offer for you as far Thank as you. meeting um different people of the industry us giving you inspiration in the entertainment world as far as, as well as the real world. And um, I appreciate you all tuning in. This is the Diva Show. I'm on every second and fourth Thursday, which is um, every other Thursday of the month. And I'm bringing you a lot of inspiration, entertainment, and words of wisdom and keeping it 100. And we've been on with Mr. Craig McLaurin going down Thank his you so much. journey. Thanks for having me. Yes, indeed. Make sure you get your tickets May 27th. All right. Like sure and like and subscribe. Like and subscribe. Oh, Support yes. the Divas show. Support the, the Divas Diva show. show. The Divas yes. show is on YouTube. The Divas show YouTube. is on Facebook. Like, Facebook. We is have that Facebook Live? Pages. Facebook Live. Like, yes. Facebook, yes. Check out, check out the Divas show. show. I have a whole list of the old shows. I have a list yes. of current shows and the shows that are coming up special guests that are coming up so make sure you don't yeah. miss anything all right make sure that you hit that like and subscribe button and make sure that you check out craig mac comedy on instagram and also craig mclaurin on facebook we are out i thank you so much for doing this interview with me and as thank i you. always in all of my shows is love peace and hair grease <laughs> all right thank you